Hey there, Red vs. Blue fans. Welcome to another episode of the Red vs. Blue After Show on AfterBuzz TV. Today we are talking about Season 15, Episodes 13 through 16. Guys, we've got a lot of stuff to unpack. Stay tuned. You're tuning in to the destination for TV superfan discussion, AfterBuzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin! Face the final frontier. Uh, These are the voyages of the starship Lopez, La Pasado. (laughs) I have to say that bit... uh, uh, at the beginning of uh, Objects in Space was probably one of my favorite bits that has been happened all season. But hey there, Red vs. Blue fans. Uh, welcome back to the Red vs. Blue after show. I'm feeling a little bit like Griff right now because uh, I'm here in the studio all by my lonesome. Uh, my my co-host ran off. They, they went off to go save Patrick and I'm like, Patrick doesn't even watch this show. Why should I go save him? I'm done. And I threw in the towel. And then as soon as they left, I realized how much they meant to me, guys. And I just really, if they're watching right now, guys, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm really sorry. I hope you know that. Um, not really, guys. That, obviously, it would be crazy if my story, Paraline, was was parallels to Grift. That's not at all what happened. I threw them in the murder room for doing a show without me a few weeks ago. So that's where they're at right now. Uh, but... I, in the meantime, I'm your host, Megan Salinas. You guys can tweet at me at the Menguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. Our engineer, Neil, has uh, the live chat up. Hey, Malacrona, what's going on? And we are going to be keeping an eye on the hashtag on Twitter, ABTVRVB, if you guys want to keep me company. But also keeping me company, we have a very, very special guest. Calling into the studio is Joe Nicolosi. How are you doing tonight, Joe? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on the show again, guys. Oh, thank you so Girl. much. <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time to call in. I know you guys just you just got off a plane, so it really does mean a lot that you called in to keep me company. Oh, no worries. Happy to be on. <laughs> well, uh, this set of episodes is a lot of fun because uh, what we're covering right now is uh, everything from the second part of the flashback with Temple's backstory to uh, Griff attempting a rescue mission. So that uh, that's a <laughs> there's a lot to kind of unpack in between there. Um, but let's go ahead and start off with the conclusion of Temple's backstory. Um, did now we've had a little bit of discussion from fans as to whether or not Temple can be considered an unreliable narrator in this in this sort of flashback. I my theory is that what we're seeing is what is presented to us because we also get Carolina and the director's point of view, but we wanted to get your take. Is Temple an, a reliable narrator in this scenario? Yeah. You know, someone asked me that question during the uh, RVB uh, AMA recently, uh, just like on a scale of one to 10, you know, how reliable a narrator is he? And I think I answered 10. And the truth is probably like a nine, you know, because he might be fudging a few (laughs) facts here or there. But this is essentially like the events as they happened from his perspective. That makes a lot of sense. It also kind of explains a lot of the sense of awe that he and the uh, other blues and reds have when they see actual freelancer soldiers at work. That's kind of a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I really wanted, you know, because like in all of Red versus Blue, there's never really been a time where we've 
seen the whole freelancer sim trooper dynamic in action. Uh, you know, sim troopers are training dummies for their program, and we've never actually seen what that's like. And I wanted to have an episode that shows you, you know, a little bit about this, what this relationship was like between the two groups. Yeah, it shows that it's really, it wasn't necessarily malicious. Like, I don't think anybody meant for Biff to get killed in the crossfire. But at the same time, it really just shows how much of a means to an end they were. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, again, the, that huge discrepancy between where what level the freelancers are at and where the sim troopers are at in terms of skill level. Um, it was also kind of fun um, to see Tex back in action for for a little bit. That was probably that was a fun fight. But if you if you take a step back and look at it from um, you know a, a, what the character relationships are, it's a really disgusting moment because it's the director pitting the memory of his wife against his daughter. And that was really, really uncomfortable, at least for me, kind of watching it. And it's like, the director is really a terrible person. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely been true for a long time. You know? <laughs> and uh, it's always like the relationship those two characters have had has always been really interesting to me because you know, it definitely brings out the worst in Carolina whenever she's put in a situation against Tex. Mm -hmm. And it made the most sense to me that as she is, you know, reevaluating some of her life choices this season to be reminded of her at her worst. And so it was really, you know, the, 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 the you know, the flashback sequence is definitely about Temple, but it's also sort of like just a reminder of just kind of how far Carolina's come over the course of her you know, career and post-career with the Reds and Blues. Yeah, it. she really has made a lot of progress. Um, you know, she sums it up as, you know, going from a terrible, per a terrible killer to a good-hearted killer. Yeah, that's a journey. But it really does show she has come a long way because there a man gets impaled right in front of her and she's like, yeah, this isn't about you. Sorry. <laughs> um, so yeah, that um, talking a little bit about the fight choreography in in that episode as well. Um, I I have to give Mark a quick shout out too, but because I, I think the rocket throw was probably his favorite moment in this entire season so far, and it was pretty spectacular. <laughs> yeah, that was. Uh, I definitely had. I wrote that in the script, and I had a very specific vision for what happens and how it happens and you know the, the camera angles and dipping down in a slow-mo and like <laughs> it came out really 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 well well the animators did such a good job with that moment it was so much fun uh and i uh as an action movie fan have never gotten to do something so awesome before so that was just really really amazing for me it was fantastic. And then fo following it up with the moment where they're switching back and forth between musical genres as the, as the fight was happening, they were like, oh, this needs a soundtrack. Um, what, what, uh, what inspired you in terms of like what songs, what types of songs you wanted to put in there? Uh, well, it's kind of like an, it's almost like an improv scene, you know, <laughs> it's like you set, you set it up and then you try to heighten it and heighten it and heighten it and heighten it. Uh, so it's like, you know, let's do something awesome and then let's go do something really awesome. And then, and then what are the punchlines of that joke? And I, I couldn't think of anything less appropriate than Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> and then after that, the idea of doing like an audio book uh, soundtrack during a fight scene 
just seemed like too good a joke to pass up. <laughs> and that joke has like four, it has like four beats instead of three, which would be normal. But like that last one, I think is just kind of like, in my mind, like the icing <laughs> on the cake of like absurdity. I think a lot of people, uh, I think it's that last one that really sold it for a lot of people. I think that's when most people who were watching just kind of completely lost it. Um, but we did have a question. Um, some people were wondering when the second song, um, which is the more guitar heavy action oriented song, is there any plans to release that, uh, when the soundtrack comes out? Probably not. Actually, that track is something that's a 99.9% of the music for the season, uh, is, is written by either, either Nico or Levy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that song is actually something we found and licensed from a stock music site because it oh, had wow. the right kind of like screamy vocals. Uh, yeah. That, that so, was exactly uh, what, what it was. Uh, that is probably like, I can probably provide a link to the stock music site where you can <laughs> license it to listen to it on your iPod. But uh, that, I don't think that one would make a soundtrack, which is something we're all talking about putting together for this season. All right. Well, yeah, I'm sure that um, I, I've definitely seen more than one person go, hey, where can I get that song? So definitely that'll be um, that'll be good for, for fans to kind of look into. Um, I do uh, I do kind of want to touch on um, what Jax had to say, um, because Jax is such a fun character. Um, and I think it's what he said that kind of does make a lot of people question whether or not Temple was telling the truth, because Jax was going, I don't know, guys, that whole that whole there was a baby on the way and he was two days away from retirement. That seems so cliche. I have some notes. Um, Were you just looking for kind of a a way to sort of uh, address the fact that like, yeah, sometimes those story bits are cliche, but you can still incorporate them in a way that works really well for the story? I hung up and called back, and I think I may have missed a moment or two of this. Of this. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. We lost you. <laughs> no worries. Uh, you were asking me about Jax uh, uh, and uh, what he said at the end of episode 13, right? Yeah, yeah. In terms of just like his continual commentary, even when it's about to get him shot. <laughs> well, uh, I was really worried when I was writing episodes. 12 and 13 because what was happening felt uh, a little cliche in a way that I don't love. Uh, You know, I I try to, you know, either embrace cliches in a new way or dance around them in a way. And I was sort of hitting a couple of things head on in a way that I didn't love. And I just wanted a character to call it out. (laughs) And then that character to be shot (laughs) <laughs> as a way of just sort of being like, yes, I know. Uh, I'm sorry, but this okay, is what has internet. To right now. I get it, internet. You can stop. <laughs> we can we can move on now. <laughs> we still have the rest of the this, season this to go. My through. way of basically saying I'm guilty. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know what? As long as we, as long as the narrative acknowledges it, like yes, okay, cool. We've acknowledged that. Moving on now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, because, exactly. Because it's less of what's driving Temple that's important, and more that of what he does now that he now now that we have his backstory and what he plans on doing is straight up, you know, doing away with all everyone who wronged him all those years ago. Um, yes. And we really dig into that a little bit more in uh, True Colors when you find out. Well, 
Not when you find out, because we're we know <laughs> we've known for a long time, and Temple wasn't doing a great job of hiding it. But like true colors is when the reds and blues actually sit down and puzzle out. You know, some of this might not be right, and it's interesting seeing who falls on what side of uh, of the alight. Uh, pardon me. What, who falls on what side in terms of allegiances when Temple does come clean and go, hey, evil's kind of a matter of perspective. Um, what was the intent in terms of uh, writing Sarge as actually going along with all this just because he's so desperate for for someone to fight? I, um, I'm i actually surprised that Sarge hasn't flipped sides more because <laughs> he, sort of he sort of has the kind of you know, like iron will and super stubborn, steely stance on everything that makes him like perfect for like a quick hop to the bad side for a minute before he <laughs> sort of snaps back to his senses. Well, so I sort of the- like the idea of, 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 of him jumping to the other side and, and, and that being part of his character arc for the season because it, you know, him thinking that they're giving him everything he wants is an important part of his journey. It's basically what I'm thinking there. Yeah, and I think that was a good choice, too, because we've seen in the past he will turn on someone on, you know, at the drop of a dime if, like, he's just distracted enough in the right way. I'm pretty sure he's turned on almost every member of his team at one point throughout the series. So it's something that also makes sense in terms of his character. Um, Well, hey, I, uh, I have to run. Oh, okay. But, uh, I did want to thank you for having me on the show again and uh, look forward to jumping on as you guys finish <laughs> up the season. No problem. Thank you so much for calling in. Of course. All right. Ha- uh, have a good have a good uh, rest of your show. Bye-bye. You too. Bye, Joe. <laughs> well, now I'm all bu- now I'm all alone again. But that was really cool of him to take the time to call in, guys. Literally, he had just landed and took the time to call because I'm all by my uh, lonesome here in the studio. So thanks again, Joe. We really appreciate your input for uh, for this season. But yeah, let's talk about True Colors a little bit more. Let's dig into that a little bit more. We have uh, Hero seventy five in the chat talking about how excited they are to see the flag zealots again. And uh, I have to agree, they are hilarious. And Charlotte and Jocelyn in the chat also agree, the flag zealots always make me laugh. Um, it, they, them coming back was spectacular, especially with the lead-up line, you and what army? I am so glad you asked. Um, and that was always a question I had had, too, of, like, what exactly happened to the Zealots after Project Freelancer was taken down? Because we haven't revisited them in a while. So it was cool to see sort of what happened there. Um, but I have seen uh, something that's kind of been a continual piece of commentary slash criticism of this season is looking at Tucker as a character who, um, in this episode, uh, you know, finally puzzles out like, hey, guys, something's really weird. We haven't seen we haven't seen Dylan and Jackson a while. Uh Everybody here is acting really shady. We haven't seen Wash and Carolina in a bit. What's going on here exactly? Like, this is super fishy. What's going on over there with Loco? That's really suspicious. We need to actually sit down and probably talk about uh, whether or not we're actually in a terrible scenario. And, of course, he addresses it in the most straightforward way possible. But I've seen a lot of people think that this is a step back for Tucker 
And I do want to hear what you guys have to say in the chat as to whether or not you guys think it is. I actually will disagree and I will defend um, the way that uh, Tucker has been portrayed in this season up until this point. Because, yes, they took down Project Freelancer. Yes, they saved Chorus. But the other thing is, is that they've been resting and laying low for for several months now and like they've actually grown accustomed to sort of the red versus blue version of a peaceful life which isn't really all that peaceful shenanigans will always ensue but then they learn that church might be alive and of course they dive right head back head first back into this adventure and again this is where i will defend the way that tucker has been characterized this season Yes, he is the chosen one hero, and he learned how to become a really good leader in the past few seasons. But one, the stakes for him uh, up until recently weren't super high because in their mind they were done. They were done being heroes, so, you know, he got to relax a little bit. And then learning that Church may still have been alive, I will defend the way that Tucker's been portrayed so far because he and Caboose need church to be alive in in some way shape or form if there is even the slimmest chance that their friend is still alive they want to believe it and so when when you really want to believe something you will justify it to yourself in a lot of different ways and i think it's less of tucker carrying the idiot ball as some people have described it and more of him just being really desperate at you know a chance to see his friend again and I will, I will put it this way: a chance to save his, or to see his friend again, who sacrificed his life for them not once but twice. Alpha did it back in season six, and Epsilon did it at the end of season thirteen. So, this is a friend who's died for you twice, and you never get to express your your thank you or say goodbye, which is what Caboose really struggles with. Um, Although talking about Caboose, he and uh, he has a very interesting sort of scene with uh, the character Loco. But I want to go to you guys in the chat. I think um, I can, uh, we have uh, Charlotte and Jocelyn in the chat saying I kind of think that up to a third of a point, Tucker just wants it to be real, so he ignores what's obvious so that he can believe Church can come back. I concur with that assessment one hundred percent. Malachroma says, to be honest, haven't really been focusing on Tucker that much. This season <laughs> it's just other character arcs are more interesting to them um tucker and church were friends long before caboose ever showed up is what charlotte and jocelyn have to say about that and that is true uh tucker tucker and church were there in blood gulch for a little while before caboose showed up so yeah they're just as good of friends um but anyway Let's get back to Caboose and Loco in this scene because we see just how desperate Loco is for friendship as well. And we kind of got that in a few episodes back as well. He's just as desperate for friendship as Caboose. Um, but because he's also randomly a genius, I think, when it comes to quantum physics, there's a hint here. And I'm not sure... I'm not sure if they're going to explore this route, but it would not surprise me at all. But when Loco hears that Caboose's friend is gone, he brings up the concept of time travel to Caboose as a way to potentially get their friend back. Now, 
time travel is no stranger to red versus blue. Uh, so I feel like there's a potential for this to come back. I don't know how I would feel personally, though, if we use time travel as a way to bring church back. I think church just, and, and I say this as church being my absolute favorite character, I think church just needs to stay dead. I think a lot of the impact of he's gone forever and we need to accept it so that other people can't take advantage of us again um, and we can honor his memory. Uh, I feel like the real impact of that scene is completely lost if we just use time travel to bring church back. Again, time travel is a real thing, but according to what we saw in Red versus Blue, it's also really hard to change the future, um, and a lot of times it doesn't necessarily end up in the way you think it does, or you inadvertently end up causing the event you're trying to prevent. So honestly, I think bringing back time travel into the fold of the plot, I feel like maybe that's asking for more trouble than it's worth. It brings up more problems than it solves. So, and I don't think we have enough episodes to really go into a time travel arc. So that's I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw that out there. Um, what I did I did really appreciate was when they uh, when the blues and reds turn on the reds and blues. Uh, not only does Sarge turn around and betray them, but so does Doc. He's <laughs> it was absolutely hysterical to finally see him take us to stand up for himself and go, no, none of you have ever cared about me. You played, you, you used me as a pawn in this scenario. You left me out to rot in this scenario. Nobody noticed when I disappeared and went into another dimension <laughs> for an, almost an entire season and almost lost my mind. Uh, anything that allows me to hear, uh, a bit of O'Malley comeback uh, is my absolute favorite thing. So I really like that Doc took that moment to stand up for himself as well. Uh, and what we ultimately end up having is Simmons and Tucker and um, Lopez and Caboose basically doing a last-ditch effort to get a distress, uh, an SOS out to Griff, who is the only member of their team still out there, basically get that um, SOS signal out there, and they use Lopez's head in order to accomplish that and relay the message. <laughs> Melochroma says in the chat, hashtag hug doc 2017, <laughs> hashtag doc appreciation day. Um, Hero75 says doc may want them to forget about what he did when it's all over, just like how they forgot everything else. Um, yeah, I feel like once this is all said and done, uh, Doc's going to be like, hey, let's let bygones be bygones. But at the end of the day, I mean, he is a pacifist, even if he is a little crazy now. And he does like these guys, and he wasn't doing it to necessarily be cruel to them. He really just wanted them to take some time to think about whether or not they appreciate him as a person. And that's what he basically says. He's like, maybe a little time in the brig will help you to think about that. So may I think Doc just really wants people to treat him with just a teeny bit of respect. A little bit of respect would be great. But basically what ends up happening is Lopez's head gets launched out into space. And that's where we get that wonderful Star Trek uh, call, th that wonderful Star Trek intro. And that, 
episode was actually the one that was shown at RTX. I did not get to see this episode at RTX. I had to wait until after the fact, but I got spoiled for it in the middle of RTX. So I was I was really bummed actually when I sat finally sat down to watch this episode because the biggest thing all season was revealed in this episode, Objects in Space. Um, but before before we go ahead and talk about that particular reveal, I want to go ahead and take this time to remind you all, if you guys haven't already done so, we went to RTX a couple weeks ago. We not only had a panel, but we went to the red carpet of the Day 5 Season 2 premiere. We uh, we got to interview a ton of cast and crew members from various Rooster Teeth shows, including Joe Nicolosi, who was just on the line. Um, so I highly encourage you guys, go check out our panel, check out our interviews from RTX. You, if you... If you like this show and you like a lot of the other Rooster Team shows, uh, you will definitely love these interviews. Um, and I also want to take this time to remind you guys, if you haven't already done so, please go to iTunes to rate, subscribe, leave a comment. We love hearing from you, and it is the best way to let our producers know that you guys like the show that we're putting on so that we can keep talking about Rooster Teeth shows and so that we can keep going down to RTX and uh, interviewing some of the most awesome content creators on the internet. So, yes. And also, Malachroma was at RTX and didn't get a chance to say it, really, but it was such a huge pleasure to meet you in person. You are fantastic, and we love you. So thank you for coming out and saying hey. Um, and, guys, if you do go to iTunes to rate, subscribe, and leave a comment, you might even get a shout-out on the show. Apologies if this one got read on the last one, uh, as I was not here. But I think this was actually put in right before we went off to RTX. So uh, we have a comment by the community, for the community, by Backroom Associate. Uh, five stars. I greatly appreciate this podcast as well as the other Rooster Team shows. It's great to have a place where we as a community can talk about theories, predictions, and generally celebrate the shows we love. The panelists are always knowledgeable and professional, but still keep the conversation fun and entertaining. I typically can't catch a live show, so I appreciate the YouTube uploads. Thank you, Rooster Team, for everything you do. Keep up the fantastic work. Thank you. You guys are so, so sweet. Um, you guys are the best. So, yes, let's talk about objects in space. So, the majority of the episode is Griff kind of losing his mind castaway style. Like, they even have the volleyballs all around. And this just, I really wish Joe was still on the line because this must have been a ton of fun for him to write since Griff is his favorite character and it must have been freaking hysterical for Jeff to actually perform it because what we get is Jeff doing impressions of every single one of the characters up until this point and it's just Griff mentally working through um, having made the decision to abandon all of them after they had been his friends for years, or, well, friends, more like work associates that you also hate but still care about. <laughs> um, and I think my favorite bit was when the church uh, volleyball was deflated and the caboose volleyball was just like, nope, this is terrible. Uh, everything is terrible forever. Um, that was so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, Malachroma also says, R.I.P. Jeff's voice after that episode. I disagree. I feel like it was 
100% the best thing ever. Um, but as he's starting to lose his mind and question whether or not he's actually hallucinating, who shows up on the planet that he's on uh, with Lopez's head in tow? Guys, Locus finally came back to the series. And I have to tell you guys, I always thought Locus was an interesting character. Uh, he was a little edge lordy at first. But, I mean, as the the Chorus trilogy went on, he became more and more intriguing. And after the Merc trilogy that we got last season, holy cow, I need more Samuel Ortiz in my life. Um, and actually getting to see him come back in... In this way, and having Griff, of all people, being the character that he has to sort of put up with on his, I guess, quest for redemption, it was absolute comedic gold, for one. And two, you really do get the sense that Locus is trying his best to do the right thing. And for those of you who did catch our uh, RTX interviews, um, talking about Locus's journey this season, um, he's... According to Joe, he has kind of a dark paladin arc going on where he went off basically on the quest that, like, Tucker was meant to go on after getting the sword. Only Tucker sort of stayed in the tutorial level and uh, Locus actually is completing the quest and going off to... I don't know what kind of adventures he's having, but he's definitely... We get the sense that he's trying to do the right thing even when it means putting yourself in circumstances you absolutely do not want to be in, like sharing a space shuttle with Griff for the entire way, <laughs> for the entire journey to get back to his friends. And it's just so funny because Griff has such cabin fever and Locus has never been a very chatty person anyway. Um, so it's, again, it's really nice to sort of get that dynamic together. And it's also really great, again, seeing this character who is clearly on this character arc. He had a great arc in the trilogy, and we got more of him last season in the prequel sort of thing that we got. It's nice seeing him back in the series proper. And I I just, I want to see where it goes. Um, so yes, talking about uh, talking about Locus coming back, uh, Locus went from ah spooky to ah husband in 0.5 seconds, and it's honestly kind of impressive. Thank you, Malachroma. Um, and Charlotte and Jocelyn say, I so sympathize with Locus having to deal with Griff. I know people who act like that normally after not being marooned on a planet for, for X amount of time. Um, but him coming back, was really great. Um, and that takes us to Griff does a rescue, which is less Griff doing a rescue and more of Griff providing a great distraction so that Locus can do a rescue. And I want to talk about Locus uh, coming across Wash and Carolina first because we get this great moment between Wash and Carolina. They we don't know exactly how long they've been in this poor murder in this awful awful murder room, um, but you could definitely see that they're using humor to sort of keep themselves going and uh, a little bit of a day five reference there with "Don't fall asleep, stay with me." Um, but you get the impression that they've been in here for a few days. Um, which 
is really horrifying. I can't imagine being in one particular place for stuck in one position, unable to move for even just a couple hours. And they've been like that for days, which cannot, cannot be good for them. Um, and I, again, I love that just the humor of Wash being unable to scratch his nose and using that as my kingdom for the ability to scratch my nose. And Carolina going like, hey, you know, I'm going to have to go to the chiropractor when this is all over because we're going to get out of this. Um, I I really appreciated that. And seeing Locust come back and hearing Wash go, I think I'm hallucinating again. You really do get a sense of how horrible it's been for them this entire time. And Locust getting the, like, are are you here to kill us or are you here to help? And he's like, oh, man, it's really sad that I keep having to make that distinction for people. Um, But that's what redemption is. Locust, nobody ever said it would be easy. Forgiveness doesn't happen overnight. So I I love that we had this quick little interaction um, because, yeah, there's there's a lot to unpack with the three of them. Um, I'm just happy that, you know, We've got somebody to get them out of the murder room. Even though I loved the murder room, the murder room is great. Uh, if you ask Katie, she hates the murder room, but I, I thought the murder room was fantastic. Um, anyway, neither here nor there. To get back to Griff, um, Griff is uh, he, <laughs> I probably my favorite bit in this episode was the Solid Snake references um, and with the actual exclamation point over his head and everything. Snake, snake! Like, it was it was wonderful. Um, but obviously, it does not take long for him to get captured. And that's when we get sort of the moment that Griff had been building up to because he couldn't bring himself to say it when he was surrounded by the volleyballs and, like, kind of practicing and working through this scenario, he couldn't bring himself to say it. But when he's actually surrounded by his friends again, that's when he's like, I can't wait anymore. I need to just say it. Guys, I'm sorry. And I'm sorry that I I didn't come with you. I'm sorry for the things that I said. I'm sorry I didn't want to help go save church. That's a really terrible thing for a friend to do. And that, again, it just says a lot about how far all of these characters have come from where they started or even where they were even just a couple seasons ago. (laughs) They've always been those coworkers you hate but have to put up with. And we see here that they are friends. And his relationship with Simmons in particular is probably one of the most heartfelt things the show does. And we we see it earlier um, when (laughs) when, uh, Simmons is on the therapist's couch, uh, a.k.a. Lopez just has to kind of sit there and listen because nobody will listen to him. Um, Simmons having to wrestle with Griff abandoning them, that he's taking that very personally. So hearing Griff come back and say how sorry he was and how he's here now, it, it I got a little choked up. I'm not even going to lie. Um, but yes, yeah, so that I think was a wonderful, wonderful scene. <sighs> so guys, I think that just about does it for this episode i don't necessarily want to delve into predictions for the next immediate episode because i have seen it 
Um, most of the, the Rooster team are first members, so I don't want to spoil anything for anybody who hasn't seen it yet. Although, if you have remained unspoiled for the next episode, I do say thumbs up, kudos, keep that up, um, because the next episode is a bit of a doozy. But in terms of the rest of the season, like I said, I'm not sure how I feel about potentially dropping the time travel arc, but, or at least as a story element or potential plotline, but what I do like from that is presenting Loco as somebody who is sympathetic to Caboose and Caboose's situation of, you know, being desperate for friendship. I feel like if there's anybody who's going to betray Temple, it's going to be Loco, which is probably the most detrimental to his cause because Loco is a, the one is the genius uh, behind everything they're doing. And Temple's just such a moron. <laughs> so, yes, uh, we want to hear what do you guys think is in store for the rest of the season. Um, so, yeah, I, I just want to say really quickly thank you to everybody in the live chat. Thank you for everybody on the hashtag. You guys are absolutely amazing. Um uh, Especially you, Malachroma, RVB15, Charlotte and Jocelyn. You guys are the absolute best. Thank you guys so much. Uh, again, if you haven't already done so, go to iTunes, rate, subscribe, leave a comment. We love hearing from you. Uh, in the meantime, you guys can follow Mark at MarkBDonica on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, he's got a lot of fun stuff going on. Be sure to follow Katie at Kieje on Twitter and Instagram as well. Uh, and I'm Megan. You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Menguin. That's T-A-G-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. I am also on a bunch of shows here at AfterBuzz, uh, including... Um, goodness, lots. What else? Uh, we've got Camp Camp next week, guys. We weren't able to do it this week um, because of scheduling stuff. But uh, Camp Camp will be back next week. We've also got uh, the final few episodes of Turn. We have a special guest next week. So be sure to tune in for that if you're a fan of that show. And, uh, yeah, I also write articles for The Movie Chick. That's Chick with two Ks. Be sure to check those out. And I also do the voice of Margot Lane on the Shadow Radio Recreation. So go and check that out. We just had our season finale. We'll be back in, like, I don't know, two months or so. Again, thank you guys so, so much for watching. We will see you all next time. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. As you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.